Plus Good Evening Mets fans and welcome back to the Plus Good Evening Podcast. It's episode 87. Sam Lebowitz joined as always by the wonderful Jack Hendon. You're joining us on a pretty standard podcast episode. And if you were listening last week, well, thank you. And, uh, you know, God bless you because that was uh, the most chaotic episode that we've ever done having both rich staff and abigail noy on returning guests but we had them on together four people in a zoom room the most we've ever done it was three different 40 minute zooms all smushed together in adobe premiere pro um, by yours truly if you guys haven't listened to that one because it is truly a wild chaotic but entertaining time and it was fun to do with them um Definitely go back and check that one out. But for this week, just Jack and I, standard setup. I'm on the bottom of the Zoom screen. He's on the top of the Zoom screen. I'm here in Cape Cod. He's down in New York. And the Mets, who are the subject of this here podcast, in case you're brand new and haven't heard, uh, had a four and three week, a very interesting week. Lots to talk about this week based on the baseball they played and the baseball that they will play, because this is a pretty crucial week coming up for the first time really all season the next three games this upcoming three game series could go a long way to determining this season frankly and if it goes poorly the Mets could get knocked out of first place um, which we will talk about the Braves are right on the Mets heels who they're now a game and a half out um, which is kind of uh, scary we will get to that but before we do, Jack, how are you? I'm good. I'm scared. I, I am very scared for the first time. Uh, Braves are really good. To just very briefly go back to your first point, I think you summed up that last episode fairly well. We did want to do a 1986 tribute. Um, I think that the episode in all its chaos was a good tribute to the 80s. You know, there were a lot of things going on. Uh it was in New York, you Not know, all. like it, 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 there was, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of things going around, a lot of different things flying around and none of us really knew what was happening, but it was not great. all of them worked. Yeah. Not, no, but like, listen, that's how the eighties worked. You know, Reaganomics, exactly. a lot of stuff not didn't work, but like, like, I don't know. Um, Top Gun, that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ab- Abigail, the entire episode, Abigail is quoting Little Tree Shop of Little Little Shop of Horrors. Excuse me for the. If you're a musical theater fan, don't get offended. I too late. I, f- I figured it out. It's too Little Shop Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, with the plant. She was quoting that one the whole episode. Yeah, not yeah. spoilers because she it was kind of a teased thing throughout. Anyways, um, oh, it yeah, was chaotic. You know, yeah, yeah, a lot of chaos. But um, otherwise, a- no, I'm I'm doing okay. I mean. Sunday's game was a bummer. I really was like, I can't, I was so excited to watch this one after Saturday. It was one of those, Saturday really was one of those games where like, I'm trying to remember what the specific quote from Parks and Rec is, but it's when Tom Aziz Ansari's character is like staring at this painting and he keeps saying like, I can't stop looking at it. I've been looking at it for six hours. Like that was me watching the 10th inning over again. Um, Such a great game. We'll talk about it at length because the whole day I think was, very special, but uh, the vibes have definitely shifted a little bit. Like, like the Braves, credit to the Mets here. Like, 
I don't really think like they're still 20 games over 500, right? Like they're not slipping, but the Braves have just gotten that much better. And it's really annoying, I think, because like, we just can't have like our year. Like they just got to come in and do this. You won the world series last year, you know, then you kind of embarrassed yourself with the Freddie Freeman thing. Um, I feel like you should have just stayed in your lane. If, if, if I were the Braves, I would have stayed away. I would have continued to play below 500. If I were Charlie Morton, I would have continued to pitch badly. Um, you know, if I were Michael Harris, I would not have accepted the call up from AAA. I would have just been like, I'm staying here. Like the Mets are doing something important. I'm not going to bother. But I mean, here we are. Like the Braves are just nipping at our heels, playing like 900 baseball. They play the Nationals like once a week. It's 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 great. Um, but I mean, this really is the biggest series of the year. It's a lot like the one they came into at the end of July last year, where um ultimately I think that series really did decide like the the paths that those two teams were going to go on that year um yeah these two teams haven't played a lot against each other there haven't been a lot of heads-to-heads this year they still have a lot of games I think they have 10 games left against the Braves yeah they've only had one series just the the four games set in uh in New York was it four was it a five gamer it was like a five gamer because they had a weird one but it was in May yeah, they had like a makeup from the opening week that was canceled. I think I I'm think. trying to I'm honestly not entirely clear. It might have been four games, but it stretched a while. It might have been like five days and they smushed a double header in somewhere. Um, I think there was a I think it was a five. I think it was a four game series with a double header that made it a five game series. There was something in there that was weird. The Mets yeah. have definitely the Mets have definitely played a five game series this year, and I think it was that series against Braves. Anyways, I digress. They, these two teams have have to play each other a lot down the stretch. Yeah. Is the point? So, the Mets still lead the division by a game and a half. The Braves feel like they're winning six out of every seven games, which is annoying. That even in a week where the Mets uh, are able to go over five hundred, they went four and three this week. They could have probably gone at least. Five and two, there's the two close shutout losses that were debilitatingly annoying, both the one nothing loss to the Reds on the walk-off and then the extra inning loss to the Marlins today, Sunday. Um, those both sucked a lot yeah. in like similar ways, but in kind of divergingly similar ways. And what I mean by that is that the one against the Reds was just, what are we doing here? It's the Reds. It's the worst pitching staff in the National League by ERA. Like, how are we not putting up any runs? And then it's Seth Lugo who does what Seth Lugo generally has done on the second, on the back half of when he pitches on back-to-back days, which is yeah. stink, give up yeah. runs. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like the majority of his runs that he's allowed are in the second day of consecutive days pitched. Yeah. And there it's, it's bad, but Buck continues to go to the well with him. Um, I think Wednesday's loss personally was worse than today's loss because you had two things working against you that day. Really? Like, like did the bullpen makeup affect the way Sunday went down? Yeah, it absolutely did. But Wednesday wasn't so much like, Oh, like we're out of arms. We got to use Tommy Hunter. It was like, Seth Lugo can't throw a strike um, to the worst team in the National League. He basically did not get an out. Bases, loading the bases with no out and then a sack fly is the same thing as not getting an out, essentially. It, yeah. I mean, it was 
so bad on top of the bad offense. Like today was bad offense that just never got it going. And then once the Marlins got a man at second, they just kind of won the game. Wednesday yeah, th- was they aren't scoring. Yeah, what were you saying? Yeah, I mean the the what I meant by that the two were were different was that right. at least at least today's was like a really good pitcher's duel. Yeah, that too. Like Taiwan Walker out dueling the Cy Young favorite in the National League. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say out dueling um, because by they were his both... standards, it absolutely was. Um, yeah, they, Taiwan he had been so good. He had he had they went they both went seven. Yeah, he had more strikeouts than than Sandy Alcantara. He gave up fewer hits than yeah. Sandy Alcantara. They right. both gave up no runs, but Taiwan had a quote unquote like I'm sure if you looked at the game scores, Taiwan had a better game score, which we could probably pull up if we needed to. That seems rather complicated, you know, convoluted right now to do in right. the middle of a recording. Um, but credit to Taiwan Walker who we might discuss later with the all-star selections coming out. Not an all-star, might become an all-star um, as a replacement, but for the time being, despite having the seventh lowest ERA in Major League Baseball, or in at least the National League, it was one of those. Um, I believe the National League. He is not a National League all-star, which is okay. But again, kudos to him for, I think, kind of under the radar, having pitched so, so well. Yeah since Scherzer went down he's he's their second best pitcher this year honestly speaking like I know that Chris Bassett has the pedigree and when Bassett is starting a game we probably are more content to watch him than we are with Walker because Walker's bad starts are much worse than Bassett's bad starts save for the one or two that were actually like really bad from Bassett like Like, the Giants ones the two right right. like those are terrible but I I'm still to this point I think more worried that Walker is going to implode than I am about Bassett. But if you look at results alone, like Walker is the second best starting pitcher this year. And it's not like really close. Like Carrasco's ERA is in the, in the fours. Bassett's is in the fours. I'm pretty sure. Or at least the, the high threes, like, like, does it carry over? I'm not totally sure, but I think that it, it's time to really like give the guy credit for carrying his, his weight to this point in the year. Um, Briefly, though, because we did just mention Scherzer, like he looked great. And that was also very frustrating about Wednesday because it was like you can't support him. Like, sure, Nick Lodolo is a good pitcher with a very high ceiling, but like he came out of the game in the fifth inning. Like Scherzer strikes out 11 reds and gives up two hits and he throws 79 pitches and like like 60 of them are strikes. Um, You know what I mean? Like you got to you. You, you can't yeah. let that go to waste. You, you can't degrom him. You can't yeah. degrom him when you finally get him back after having to go the last seven weeks without both degrom and him together. Yeah. For you to degrom him in his first start back is like borderline disrespectful to Max Scherzer. Uh, yeah. By the way, you were spot on with both Bassett and Carrasco. Uh, Carrasco is pitching. Carrasco's nine and four, which is with a 4.55 ERA and only 0.5 war as a starting pitcher who has nine wins as a start. Like if that doesn't tell you how stupid wins are as a stat, don't know what to tell you. I hope um, he gets to 20. I don't care. That Get would be him all the way up there. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bassett has more than twice as much war. He's at 1.2, but he's six and six, but a 3.94. So Carrasco's at four, five, five. Bassett's at 394. So you're like pretty much spot on. Bassett's actually above his career mark in ERA. They both are. 
because yeah. Carrasco has been a very good pitcher throughout the majority of his career. Um, his career mark is three nine one, and he's pitching to a four five five. Bassett's career mark is three five four, and he's yeah. pitching to a three nine four. They're so both good. They're both all four of them. They, they both, yeah, they've been both of those two guys in particular have been a little more up and down um, than I think I would have preferred. Uh, you know, a little less consistent, but. Like, I still trust Bassett for the most part every fifth day. And even Carrasco, I feel like, because I haven't been able to watch a lot of the Mets games as of late, given my current baseball job thing that I'm doing, um, I do find myself looking at positive results in the box score and being like, yeah, Carrasco pitched today and the Mets won. Good. Nice. But, yeah. I, you know, I would have to look at the run um, run support numbers because it it seems like he's getting a lot of run support just based off of that stat line I read. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cookie got some run support on Saturday too. I think that like it wasn't a boatload. I mean, it was a no decision for him, but it was still like, it was still, it was still honestly like, I think Saturday, well, maybe we should just stick with the Reds for a second because we still have the Wednesday, we have the Wednesday loss, but then we have the Thursday win, which was probably a Mets class, not classic, but amazing finish um because i was yeah it's up there well there's been a lot of there's been a lot of potential amazing finishes already this year and we're only like halfway through the season but that was a good win that was definitely a good win the five runs and extras always always fun when you put like when there's like an exclamation point on a win like that which is what Nimbo's homer was Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you stomp on him james mccann was getting hits dom smith had the go-ahead extra base hit like or no was he the he might have been the game tying hit it was Yes, it was no Marte scored on a double to tie the game off the bat. Or did no Marte had the game tying double. That's what it was. Yes, it was the it was down the it was the one down the left field line and it scored Nimmo. And then it was Dom Smith scoring the go ahead run McCann tacking on with a single. And then uh, the three run homer by Nimmo. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. God, I need to get better at this because I also have this job thing where like I missed the entire game on Thursday because I was working overtime and like I missed all the runs. Like the one game where they just totally blew the seal off and scored 10 and Trevor Williams goes seven innings and I I, I don't get to see it. Like, yeah, that was ridiculous. I didn't. I, um, yeah, I basically all of my games are, are like night games ish. Like my home games start at five and then most of my road games start at either six or six thirty. Um, so by the time I get home from a, from a, a game, it's usually nine or nine 30, the earliest. Yeah. Um, and I'm catching the, either the very end of a game or none of it at all. And usually at least for home games, I have to get at get to the field at like two. So even if there's a day game, um, I'm really not able to catch much of it. So it's just like completely opposite schedules with, with the Mets right now, yeah. um, which has been difficult as a fan, but it's also like, I got like three to four more weeks of this. So mm-hmm. I'll be fine. The podcast will survive. Don't you worry. Uh, and then, come, you know, I'll be able to focus fully on, uh, on this base, this, this dumb, dumb baseball team in September. They're still, uh, you know, if they're still, uh, they're still balling out. Yeah. That's the thing too. Like they have the easy schedule in September, but like, I keep trying to explain to people that like, like that's just not going to matter if the Braves steamroll them and run away. You know, like it, it will matter in the fact that, like, okay, this 
team is still on pace for 100 wins. Yes. And fourth I think best it's, record in baseball, fourth best record in baseball. The Braves are fifth. Like it's it's important to put that into perspective. Yes. That even though the team has slowed down a tad, they have gotten this far primarily, you know, completely without their best pitcher and yeah. generally without Max Scherzer as well, who is now back. They have gotten this far with out hitting for a ton of power as a team they've gotten this far with a pretty bad bullpen and there are reinforcements coming you'd assume if they don't botch the trade deadline um right well the question though is like like, should you be waiting till the deadline even like this feels like pretty much like the i mean look the team's going to make the playoffs i think either way and september will be good for that um, but at the same, at, at the same time, I think like the division, the buy, like that's so much better. Like, that's I don't important. want to round of playoffs. I really want that. I do. But I think that the panic that some fans are having right now is a little bit too much. Like I, I get it. I have been banging on the drum that they need to bring in some relief help really since May. Like I get that. Since Trevor this, May. <laughs> frankly since trevor may yeah when he got but yes also literally since he got hurt yes yes it would be all that's another thing is they they're pretty much their second or third best reliever has been out all year like this team has holes that they need to fix and they're still here yeah. they have i know that the the playoff odds are like dumb and i don't actually know what math they're founded on because anything could happen uh but the mets still are like 99 to make the playoffs so like baby steps, I know, I know how exciting it must be that this team started off so hot and you want to get to the, to the playoffs having won the division. But if they don't win the division, they're still going to make the playoffs because there's three wildcard spots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I want to beat the Braves so badly and I hope we, I want to sweep them. I want to sweep them so badly, but it's still a little too early for things to be like total panic. Right. Well, I'm sort of like, I'm just super vigilant about it. I think there's a difference between like Frank Fleming posting um, and really, cause like, listen, last year, that series against the Braves, I still think about that a lot. And I know that it's a very different team this year. It's a different vibe and Things are only going to get better, like when DeGrom comes back, you know what I mean? Like maybe Escobar turns it on, that sort of thing. But at the same time, like how many times have we made the, the playoffs? How many times have we won the division? Like it, it, I, I was like this before the road series too, when they actually turned out to be totally fine. And I was like, well, I've never seen it work out. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm just like constantly waiting for the shoe to drop essentially. And because of how well the Braves are doing, that's what's really accelerating all of it right now. But I, like the team is still good per se. It's just one of those things where like, you know what they need to do to get better. I think Wednesday's game is kind of a microcosm in the sense that you knew what they needed to do to win that game. And like, they just completely deviated from course. Nobody was driving in any runs. I mean, there were three games this week where they just went hitless with guys in scoring position. Like that can't happen. It happened Wednesday, it happened Friday, it happened today. That That's like, you know that that needs to get better. And when it doesn't and the Braves footsteps like get louder and louder, like that's very hard to deal with, but I'm not at the point 
And hopefully I'm never at the point where I'm like, you know, where I'm writing off this team's own ability to win ball games, but really like they need reinforcement. That's the thing. Like the thing they need right now, maybe you can't trade for a bat. Maybe there aren't that many bats at the deadline. Like I get it. You're going to get gutted and gouged if you trade for Wilson Contreras right now because of the leverage the Cubs have. But like, how expensive would it really, really be? How hard would it be to call them up about Michael Gibbons or to call the Angels and just take Aaron Loop's contract off their hands? That would cost you nothing. And Loop would immediately be better than Joely Rodriguez. Like Adam Adovino is the second best reliever on the team right now. When this whole thing is done, he's got to be like third or fourth probably because even he is susceptible to just hanging one. He hung one Saturday. Like you really need to, I think, shore that up if you can. And I know that they probably won't. So that's frustrating. Do I think it reflects on the players though? No, like I'm not going to write them off in the middle of a game at any point. It's not that bad. Yeah. I, they, there are holes that need to be fixed and I'm not necessarily confident in their ability to fix all those holes. I agree with you there. I think the bullpen probably needs two arms, including a good lefty. Yeah, you need a guy who can come off the bench, uh, like like someone who could probably play the outfield a little bit, and then you need one to two actual bats. Yeah, because like JD and Dom, I know they had like pretty good weeks, still not really cutting it. No. Um, no. and then like, what if Starling Marte's injury was serious? Mm-hmm. You're a little screwed there, Ben, because I don't know. He's apparently an all star. Uh. That was interesting to me, but um, yeah, there were some snubs within the team, to be honest with you. But I, I, I'm like, I don't know. I think Nimmo should have got it. Nimmo like leads the team in WAR, and he didn't make the All Star team. Like that's kind of ridiculous. I would have picked Nimmo over Marte personally. I think Starling's great, very hot, always. We know this. Marte so, hot, Marte hot, but wasn't my outfield all-star pick i think the other three are you know right definitely edwin and pete and mcneil's fine but i don't know we can get into the all-star game of it all soon we yeah the deadline is it's certainly coming eventually and we're gonna have to deal with it when uh, when it comes and really iron out who those players are that we want to get we just lost our uh, we lost James McCann again for probably at least three weeks because it's an oblique deal. And yeah, again, it brings up this conversation of, oh, I don't know. Do we bring up Alvarez? To which the answer is still no. Right. Because he only has 16 AAA at-bats. He's two for 16. Like, let the guy adjust to a level before you, like, shunt him up to the majors he's catching Degrom on thursday like let him let him get to that first like yeah. cross the bridge when you get to you know what i mean like or yeah, yeah like he's got a lot on his plate right now i'm scared for him to be honest but that's a yeah. different thing yeah so there's that and, and like there's no catchers really available besides Contreras, who are actually worth a damn which we've talked about on the podcast before at length like, do you really want to go and waste resources on Tucker Barnhart? No. Probably not. No. 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 Like, it's not like Tomas Nito is a complete waste of space because he's so good defensively, and he's driven in some key runs this year. So, like, you figure it out at a certain point. But, like, I'm, I'm totally on the Trey Mancini hype, hype train. Like, 
I love Mancini. I think he'd be a good fit for this roster. I wish that he was better as an outfielder um, because then you wouldn't have to like DH him or DH Pete instead of him um, sometimes. But I still think that he as a offensive profile fits this roster well. And also get him out of that suddenly cavernous for right-hand hitting hit, um, you know, right-hand hitters Camden yards. Orioles you, might not sell though, you know, that That's is a good. really good point they because might not. They're the kind Orioles, of, are they good? Th- this is the biggest X factor in the next three weeks. Yeah. Both the Orioles and the Mariners are on eight game winning streaks after starting the season well under 500. The Mariners are now three over 500 and like only a couple of games out of a playoff spot. And the Orioles are not far behind them. The Orioles are now a game under 500 and like three out of a playoff spot. So things are weird in the American league, but those are two potentially key sellers. Like if the Mariners sell Mitch Hanniger's having a down year, but maybe a change of scenery. He had a great year last year, power hitting corner outfielder, stick him in left, hit some dingers. There you go. That's a big addition to them. Yeah. Royals. The Royals are definitely a team that's out right now. They've got Andrew Benintendi, who's almost definitely going to go. I mean, that's another guy. I mean, really, like, you get anybody who can at least stand in and bat and take the the ABs that Dom Smith and J.D. Davis are, are taking right now, like, that's a win. Ideally, it's catcher because, like, Contreras checks off multiple boxes here. He can hit and he can play behind the plate and be an immediate improvement over, like, Nito, Mazika, McCann, right? Like that would be great. Cubs are also almost definitely out of it too. But yeah, that's also the reason why like trade deadline stuff probably isn't going to happen right now is because so many teams are just not ready to call it quits. Yeah. Uh, I'm like a little mixed on Wilson Contreras just because I know he's going to be so expensive. Yeah. Like they're going to squeeze us for at least Beatty, I think, if we yeah. make that trade. Yeah, I think when using like the Baez PCA framework in terms of like how much Baez was worth and how much of a premium option he was, like Contreras really is the only catching option. Like it's going to be, look, if they get like Sean Murphy, I think that would probably be fine too. Like, Like if you're really that scared about losing prospects and you can just give like, you know, you can send like, I mean, who do the A's? Who do we give the A's again well, for Bass? Murphy's like Murphy's like Arb one. He's got like two or three years of service time left before he hits free agency. Yeah, right. So That's the he thing. Would, I mean, he would also be. Oakland, yeah, he could be too. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see, but like they definitely need a bat. And I think above all else, the the easiest thing you could fix right now is getting relievers because it's bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spend the whole episode belaboring the point, but how many more times does Drew Smith come into like eighth innings? You know what I mean? Like Colin Holderman is probably like the guy I trust. Like, honestly, my trust levels right now are like, it's like Diaz is in his own world. He comes into a game and it's game over. Like he's great. Then it's like Adovino. But if he makes a bad pitch, like that's it. Tie game. Then it's like Smith and Holderman. And then beneath them, I just, like, I don't know what it's like Lugo. It's like Lugo. If he's a little bit rested, who knows? I'm so sick of him. Honestly, I'm really done with Seth Lugo again. I'm not going to spend the whole episode on it, but like just very tired of the, the inconsistency. Like it's, it just, 
it he shouldn't be pitching high leverage anymore. Um, Rodriguez also, like, I mean, I talked about Aaron Loop. He would probably be a better lefty than, than Joe, you know, Joelli would be right now just because of the control. Like, it's difficult. And it also yeah. becomes difficult because Buck Showalter has, like, these tendencies to, like, up down guys all the time or make Joelli throw, like, a whole inning. And it's like, for what reason? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You, if, if Buck has these strategies, you really just need to work around them and get him guys that are too good to mess up. If you ask him, if you ask them to sit down and get back up, that's sort of like the last thing I would add about this, but. Well, we cut Chase and Shreve. We did cut Chase and Shreve. So. We claimed Sam Clay. Yeah. Um, good first name, by the way. Yeah, we do like our, we love our beautiful Sam's um rj alvarez is still on the 40-man roster he which is to die he won't yeah, go away we the the, th- the interesting thing about sam clay and there's not many things i'm yeah. sorry to sam clay if you're a listener come on the pod but also like maybe find something better to do with your time if you're listening to us anyways the interesting thing about the sam clay acquisition they dfa jake reed for him and him and Jake Reed were picked in consecutive rounds by the Twins in the same draft. I did not know that. You didn't Who know was that first. I think Reed was like a fifth rounder, and Clay was like a, a sixth rounder, something like that. That's me, how I can... mighty have fallen, man. Really, I mean, how the turntables. It's it's just a it's a cruel. Oh, speaking of cruel twists, like did you see the Braves who they acquired ahead of the series and who they're activating yeah. ahead of the series? Yes, yes. You want to tell and... them? I'm going to tell you, it's Robinson Cano. And if Robinson Cano, because he, he is getting activated as a major leaguer again by the Braves, if he gets any hits in this series, I am going to redacted. Yeah. I don't know I, what I would do. I'm, I'm seconding but be that. Bad. But it will be very bad. Like, I won't be able to make the next episode. Like, you know, it, it it's very easy to pitch him, fortunately. But, like, God, like are they going to do it? Like, this just feels, this feels like trolling. It really does feel like trolling. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I just, I, 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 you know, I also want them to beat the Braves cause I can't stand their Twitter, like sports talk ATL or whatever. Like it's just the most annoying account. I've been oh, watching that their, guy is the worst. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching their games. Did you know that like in the ninth in extra innings in the ninth inning when there are like walk-off scenarios because they're playing the Nats and the Nats always blow leads and stuff like they played Narcos for the PA system before the Braves like if the Braves have like a guy at second and no outs and it's like they're about to score and win the game like they just start playing Narcos like in between at bats it's like that's our thing you can't do that like that's Edwin's thing guy it's also like it's 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 you assign that song to a person it's, it's Edwin's song. It's, you know what I mean? I like, I would be a little bit more understanding, albeit still really pissed if like Kenley Jansen came into that song. Like it would suck, but like, all right, like he's just ripping our entrance song, whatever. But like the Braves are just like, ooh, this song's kind of good. Let's play it. Like, God, I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't know what's in the water in Atlanta, man. But I, I, I really, this is the first time in my life that I'm really like, I hate the Braves. It was the Phillies most of my life. Sam is just singing. Sam's so baseball filled. He's so done. I'm doing Narcos. Yeah, no, he's doing Narcos. I I, I knew it was Narcos. Okay. I, yeah. Um. By the way, Sam Clay, 
Twins, 2014, fourth rounder. Jake Reed, Twins, 2014, fifth rounder. There you oh, go. okay. So Clay was better. So that changes it a little bit. Slightly. Um, out of Georgia Tech. Clay was out of Georgia Tech. And um, Reed was out of Oregon. Oregon or Oregon State, was it? It's Oregon. It's one. Give me a second. Yeah, Give yeah. me a While second. While we're on that note, because we have been talking a lot about the Braves. Um, it's Oregon. University of Oregon. It's okay. University of Oregon. Um, all right. So, obviously, we've talked about, like, what's wrong with them on a game-to-game level, like, where they're not playing that well. But they're also going into the series. Like, I'm also scared because, like, Marte might not be playing. McCann's gone. So there, there's an automatic out in the lineup. I mean, there, you, could, you could argue there was one while McCann was here, but like Patrick Mazika is very much an automatic out. Like Jeff McNeil's not going to be here for this series either because he's he's flying home on paternity leave. He's going to be a um, daddy. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird flex, like having kids in this economy or whatever. But like, I mean, also like you got to want it. You know what I mean? You just, you got to want it. And it doesn't seem like Jeff's head is in the game. I'm being completely sarcastic. Just want to get that out of the way right now. I'm you got to want your kid, man. No, nah, no, nah, you got to like, listen. I, I, I totally understand why he's doing it. Is it inconvenient though? It is super inconvenient. It's like team. the worst series to miss. Yeah. Yeah. Which much. it's, it's fine. Jeff, we love you. Yeah. Congratulations. But also, get back soon. Yeah. That kid's going to come out of the womb, like screaming curse words, like immediately, you know, just, just the, the angriest baby ever. And that kid is also, you're probably going to be able to like slap that kid in a batter's box and they're going to be able to like line singles the other way with their eyes closed. Did you just say slap that kid in the batter's box? <laughs> put Sam, put, you can Sam, put that we kid. need to put out a statement. No, that's not what I meant. I meant like put, like, like put the kid in the batter's box. You know what I meant? Listen, Don't. I know what you meant, but are they going to know what you mean? I mean, like, listen, we're losing our Netflix special now. That's we, uh, PG had a Netflix special, but we're about to get canceled. No, um, don't don't canceled comedians get Netflix specials. They get more Netflix. You're right, actually. They get more money. Um, yeah, forgot about that. That's very. That's neither here nor there. But like, what do you replace McNeil with? Like, are you going Gervais? Are you activating Travis Jankowski? So now, yes, you apparently, Marte together. We're getting jank. Like, what kind of roster is that? We're getting the jank back together. I, I, I listen. I love Jank. You know, I'm a big Jank guy. We're I'd not love to have him here. Do we need two of them? You know what? I, I need, need two of them. I need once and for all. I don't. I don't want him back. I need Jank off this roster. I need Jank off this roster. I want the Mets to keep Jank off this roster. Sure. Yes, I'm doing that intentionally. All right, but who's who's? Oh, okay. Who's uh? So who's, I mean, is it Plummer then? I mean, it should, it should be an outfielder because of Marte's thing. Like, yeah, probably bring Plummer back. Plummer or Lee, right? I mean, it's not going to be Vientos. And like, I don't think Kramer Robertson's a real person. They are um, absolutely going to call him Kramer Robinson. You already know they're going to. I mean, listen, when the Braves bring out Cano, you need to, you need to have a, a, a hired gun. Like you need to be ready. You need a guy, you need a weapon. Um, Kramer might be that weapon. Who knows? Honestly, we need a Kramer Robertson game. We got a Nick Plummer game. Um, we need a Kramer Robertson play game. Um, that's sort of, I mean, that's at least like I'm just so scared about what's going to happen when like Max Fried pitches to them. But again, like I, I'm, I, that's my thing on the Braves. 
frankly, what happens when Max Fried play, pitches against the Mets is you hope that Max Scherzer outpitches him. That's what you hope does because that's the matchup. Is you hope that Max Scherzer outpitches him. Yeah, right. I mean, I trust, I like the lines that they have going, the probables that they have, because it's Scherzer and then it's Peterson, who didn't have a great start last time, but I'm still hoping that like the goodwill he generated across the prior three starts will carry over. It's weird making your first start like after you go on paternity. Like there were probably a lot of factors at play. Um, I mean, again, he's also David Peterson. So maybe the factor here is he's he's not going to throw strikes to these guys. But um, Chris Bassett is pitching on Wednesday. And again, like, like Taiwan's having the better season. Bassett is still the guy who I'm like, he's going. Like, that's fine. That's good. Um, I trust him. Uh, that's where I'm at on that. I mean, bottom of the order is still just going to be a black hole. Obviously, we talk catcher spot. Eduardo Escobar is just way too streaky for my liking. Um, yeah, it would have been great if they had made a, a rage trade at some point. Um, but, like, they're not going to. That's just their thing. Sometimes uh, these sometimes these early season trades, early season, early trade season trades, work yeah. out well you see the shit that carlos santana's done the last couple of days in seattle i am not no i mean the, okay. the mariners are streaking though so it's got to be good right he's got between saturday and sunday he has three home runs and two of them are go ahead two run homers like lead score like score flipping homers yep like trailing to leading homers mm-hmm. um in the seventh inning or later in both games that's a very like they just like he he pretty much swept the Blue Jays himself. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, we'll get we'll get Jacob Degrom back, and that's like a trade. Trevor May coming back, like that's like a trade. Jankowski, yes. like a trade. It's, when Cespedes listen. comes back, it's gonna be like a trade. Yeah. Like, listen. All right. When Jed Lowry gets activated, this infield is going overdrive. They can play anyone anywhere they want. Um, They're going like, turbo team going turbo it's turbo time exactly so you speak my language um we didn't talk about Degrom's rehab start though yeah we can touch on yeah I mean he so he pitched he's gonna pitch in Syracuse either Wednesday or Thursday team hasn't said when just yet I would imagine by the time you're listening to this we have a date set but he said he felt really good after the rehab that he threw um on Friday he threw three innings for St. Lucie no runs uh, no walks, three hits, six strikeouts, uh, 36 pitches, 29 of them were strikes. He was up to 101 on the fastball. Like the velo is still holding up really well. The slider's up to 94. Um, like the shoe refuses to drop with him. I know we're coming up on a year since we last saw him pitch, but like, I don't think he's, I, th- I don't think he's very, I think he's going to be back soon. Um, and I'm excited about that. It's almost definitely going to be post all-star break but they're really doing this gradually and the results keep coming through. Yeah. It's probably to probably work with Alvarez, which will be fun. Yeah. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. Cause you know, the last time that Francisco Alvarez worked with and caught a uh, major league all-star that's currently on the Mets, he got promoted a level. So yeah. Honestly, I mean, if DeGrom vouches for him, 
you never know. I mean, it may, it makes them that much harder to trade if they like him. So on, on, on one hand, it's, it's, you know, you want him to do well, but on the other, you don't want to, you know, you want to win now. And I don't know where Alvarez factors into this year. Um, really, if he does it all, like they might not. I, again, I, 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 I just I mean, don't know. Yeah. Okay. So for DeGrom, probably two more rehab starts. If everything goes well, you hope he's probably going to work above 50 pitches in this um, where he's going like fuller workload, think like four innings, five innings, that kind of thing. But um, I mean, it's, it's still a ways away, but it's not like the end is very much in sight. Um, yeah. I'm stoked to see him again though. Yes. Uh, and we probably won't see him until after the all-star game, which again, we can touch briefly on that because we found out today, which Mets will be going um, in the initial round of all-star selections, no starters, Pete, and Marte were the two guys who were in the finals for the Mets. The Mets did like a weird, um, they teamed up with the Red Sox. Yes. As like a, like a, get our guys to the, you know, get our guys to the all-star game. Yeah. Vote for their player and our players kind of thing. And their, their guy was Raphael Devers. And out of the three, um, Raphael Devers is the one who made the all-star game as a starter. So that kind of backfired, but those two guys still made the all-star game, which is cool along with Jeff McNeil and Edwin Diaz, who might be the most deserving all-star that the Mets have. Um, yeah. Cause he's been just automatic yeah. for months now. Um, he is elite. He's elite. Is he the best closer in baseball? I think Josh Hader's probably better, but Diaz is like it's it. That's a great guy to finish second to if you're Diaz. He's easily like yeah, noted, best. noted great guy, Josh Hader. Noted great guy, Josh Hader. Yes, we love Josh Hader. Um, uh, uh, yeah. But among the Mets who were snubbed, uh, Taiwan we've talked about, Nimmo we've talked about a little bit, even Lindor a little bit of a snub ish. Yeah. Um, not not a not a great many amazing shortstops in the National League this year. I think uh, Turner probably deserved it anyway. Yeah, to start it. Yeah, he's yeah. been pretty solid. Um, um, but some fun and interesting names that made the team around the league that are worth talking about. The Every year, I guess there's two, like each team gets a commissioner's pick that Commissioner Manfred gets to like pick two all stars. And this year, they are choosing um, to send Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera as all stars, as legends selections, which is like interesting. Um, but sure, I'm not against it. It's I think for at least like for for Pujols it makes sense just because it's like it's gonna be his last tour of everything yeah, and you Miggy's get to not honor him, but Miggy's not I don't think Miggy's done yet, right? Yeah, Miggy's not done yet. So this is that's a little more weird for me. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it's the three thousand hit thing, you know what I mean? That that might maybe. be sort of the the tenor of it. But yeah, I mean these guys definitely aren't who they used to be. I'm glad that they get to get honored. Um and then, I mean really though, like the other like older guys so to speak like Kershaw Verlander like they just had all season like yeah they, they just did. nominated because they, they were really good this 
you know what I mean? So really, it, it, that's kind of just what it boils down to. I think if you had nominated Votto for it, it would have pissed him off, if anything, because he probably <laughs> wants to continue playing for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, well, I guess to me, to me, hitting 300. to me, the Miggy thing just feels like, well, we can't do one and not do an American League one. And who would yeah. we put from the American League? I guess Justin Upton. No. <laughs> Not Justin Upton. Justin Upton, who is batting 122. Um, no, it wouldn't be him. Although he has been around a while. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Some other interesting ones. So Francisco Lindor is not an all-star, but Andres Jimenez is. Love that. I love the discourse that's going to come from that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what Frank Fleming has to say about this one. I've already, like, like I've just... I've, I've, I just, it almost wasn't worth the 10 years because I'm going to have to argue this and litigate it with people for 10 years. Like Lindor is, is, is the better player, right? Like probably does Cleveland have another representative even, or Didn't, is he just their guy? No, is isn't Jose Ramirez there too. Oh yeah, he is right. I always forget Jose He's Ramirez having like a career rights away to play for the guardians the rest of his life. Weirdo. Um, uh, that was kind of aggressive. Uh, Jose Trevino is an all-star. Whitey Red Sox legend, baby. Yeah, Jose Trevino. I, I think it's really insulting that, like, the Yankees basically went into their season with the same philosophy at catcher that we had, which was none of these guys need to hit. Uh, you're just yeah. going to have to watch it and weep. But they, they, their they guy traded to be an all-star, and they our guy literally, 183. Yeah, they literally traded for um, the American League version of Tomas Nito as a light-hitting defense-first, young-ish catcher. Yeah. Um, and he's turned into be turned out to be a, an above-average offensive player. He's yeah. got like a 110 OPS plus, and obviously, obviously, the league average is 100. That's how OPS plus works. Um, right. So he's like a 10% above average player in baseball, yeah. which is uh, offensively well, which is the, wild. And he's like the best the defensive is, catch, He's like the best framer in baseball too. Yeah. Listen, like I, I it use it's a great story though. He's a, it's, he's, it is a good story. It's a very good story. And when Kirk is the starting catcher, like I guess the bar is kind of low. Um, for who like the reserve is going to be because really no catchers except for Wilson Contreras are doing like noteworthy things like I'm pretty sure Grandal isn't even active right now um, JT Realmuto is slugging like 350 like he hasn't been very good this year but again like was he would have been better than McCann I would never you know I would never nobody's saying Nobody's saying that we'd rather have James McCann than JT Romuto. Yeah, we do not feel that way. Um, I thought it was funny that the Diamondbacks' lone representative is a loogie. Yeah. Uh, it's Joe Mantipley, who might be a guy the Mets traded for, maybe. He's having a good year, but, like, it's Diamondbacks like, it's are like, down horrendous. It's like a good reliever season, but it's not, like, an outstanding – like, it's good. He's, like, a one nine one ERA, and but in, like, 1.2 war. It's, like – Joe Mantiply is like good. He's having a good year. I think that just speaks to how how bad the shape of things are this year in Arizona. Yeah, are like it's it's not good. Um, I think the snubs are a little more interesting than some of the guys that were picked. Yeah, because 
the best hitting first baseman in the American League and the best pitcher by some metrics in the National League both didn't make it. Ty France is having a phenomenal year, and Carlos yeah. Rodon yeah. is not an all-star. He will be. Like, he'll be the first guy. Yeah, because the, the pitchers who are scheduled to pitch, like, next Sunday are not going to be on this roster because they literally won't be able to pitch. Like, there are always changes uh, in the pitching staff. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe Scherzer ends up getting a call, too, if that happens. Um, I, I mean, he's obviously people, not going to be, like, people think. Yeah, people probably think Taiwan is going to go before him. That's that could be. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think it would be very funny though if Taiwan Walker's two years with the Mets were both All Star seasons because it's definitely not like something that happens very often. But it and would it also doesn't not feel, be the player that you associate with that. Yeah, like given how far he fell off last year in the second yeah. half, doesn't feel like a guy who was even an All Star last year, but he right. was. Yeah, so. I mean it's a first half award. It's kind of arbitrary, you know. But France, France should probably be in. Um, he really should be in. Like, like Jeff Passan tweeted out a whole list of them. Yeah. Of guys that he felt got snubbed in some way. And I'll try to pull it up quick. Um, and he was like, yeah, he said Carlos Rodon, Will Smith, Ty France, Tommy Edmond. Dylan Cease is another really bad one. He's yeah, like third in baseball. Made. He's like third in baseball in strikeouts. And he's got a lower ERA and a higher war than both Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez, who are both all-stars. Right. Uh, yeah. But they're not Yan- he's not a Yankee. Yeah, he's not so. a Yankee. Wears the same colors, but he's not a Yankee. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Zach Wheeler also is having a great year. Brandon Drury, crazy that he's not the Reds' all-star. Um, yeah. That was kind of that was kind of interesting. Who is the Reds also? It's it's Luis Castillo, I think. Okay. Um, because he's having, I mean, he's been pretty lights out this year. Uh he's Josh, been pretty good. Josh Bell, Devin Williams, Aaron Nola, Kevin Gossman, Austin Riley's having a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Nimmo, Brian Reynolds, John Schreiber with the Red Sox, who's a reliever, Michael King with the Yankees, uh, all guys that Jeff Passan mentioned. Also, this is wild. The NL All-Star starting designated hitter is Bryce Harper. Right. But he's out. Yeah, he's not going to be playing. And it's going to be William Contreras. Are they going to do – can they not just um, – can they not just decide that, like, one of the other reserves that did make it – Pass and tweeted this. He said that William Contreras is going to start at DH for the National League. That is with, incredible. Wait, with that, his, that's ridiculous. And the starting catcher for the National League – is going to be William or uh, Wilson Contreras, excuse me. Yeah, you, so, you had one job there. You had it was William and then Wilson. And you, yeah, I got them. I mixed them up. Uh, but we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have both Contreras brothers in the starting lineup for the National League. It seems, which yeah. is uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I actually wait. Okay, now it's that actually probably makes it worth it. Um, yeah, I hope that that gets like talked about for a while because that may not happen again. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's coming up. I mean, next week we'll probably spend a great deal of time, like, doing report cards and stuff. But we definitely will also have some time to talk about, like, potentially if other guys get added, um, you know, who they are. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there are there any other snubs? I'm trying to think about snubs, but I can't. I mean, not at least on the Mets. Like, 
pretty much I I don't really think Lindor was like a snub it's more so one of those things where like I think that like it would have been cool if he had been nominated to be a reserve um just to recognize what he has done this year um because it's been a lot better than it was last year um and he's been leading the team um in a couple categories and obviously the defense is just so great but um no he probably Trey Turner probably deserved it and behind him Dansby, Dansby Swanson has just been like ridiculous which also pisses me off because the first five years that he's been in the league he's been like the one guy in the Braves lineup that I'm like okay with you know watching play because he might be an out that we get but like now he's good too um I yeah that's the thing about the Braves is that they have they don't miss on hitters now ever or pitch like Spencer Strider is going to win the National League Rookie of the Year probably yeah and we get to see him this week. He pitches the middle game of the series. He's been really good. He's pretty scary. Just scary fastball, scary stuff. Scary Don't mustache. Have, have an answer. I really know. Like, if JD Davis plays in that game against Strider, he's getting golden sombrero. Like, it's going to be the same 100 mile per hour pitch, upper third of the plate every time. It's very hard to hit. Um, he has a 182 fifth, and it's lower than his ERA um he's averaging 14 strikeouts per nine innings like the yeah. guy is ridiculous. if you're not familiar on FIP if your FIP is lower than your ERA that means you've been unlucky yeah and his ERA is like 260 like yeah he's literally better than a 260 ERA which is still very good yeah he definitely will get the it's been a while because the Braves had him in a weird like long relief role for a while um they only just recently like moved him into the rotation. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, he's he's earning it. He's he's earning it for sure. He's pretty good, unfortunately. And Michael Harris is like seven homers already, and in like twenty steals or something. Like no he's way. pretty good. It's probably not twenty because John Birdie. No one's stealing bases this year, but he's on. He's like he's got an absurd amount for someone who's only been in the league like a month. Okay, Mike, Michael Harris, who's, by the way, 21 and was born in 2001. That's fun. He's the youngest active player in baseball, yeah. He has six. He's six steals. Okay, so I lied. He just racks up all the steals on my fantasy team. But in his but. 40 games, he's got seven homers, a 303 average, and is OPSing 867, 134 OPS plus. Pretty good. While playing, while playing like, ridiculous center field defense. Yeah, they finally got their center fielder who can play defense. Um, but we listen, we got NC Inciarte like you know, three years later. So who's who's laughing? Who's laughing now? Now who's laughing? Yeah, we finally got Ender Inciarte, exactly what I've always wanted. Well, you listen, you get you either get him or Jank. You can't have both. I don't want either of them. All right, well, suit yourself. I I'll, I like I, would, I I okay, Ender Inciarte. I'm not sure if I said this to a friend or on the podcast. If there's a list of players that I never wanted to have to root for as New York Mets, Ender Enciarte is on that list. I, ugh, I hated that. I hate having. I hate it. Did he, he do something bad, or is he just a Met killer? He is a Met killer who made stupid good catches constantly about the Mets uh, or against the Mets, and the one that settled, you know, really cemented his place. Mm-hmm. For me, was the one the famous one against Cespedes? That's the one, yeah. That was bad. Um, I just uh, I don't like the guy. I don't want him to be a Met anymore. So like, I would take Jank over him, but also like, 
go trade for a fourth outfielder who can actually hit. Maybe, just maybe. Just tra- honest, just trade for an outfielder who can hit and bump someone down to fourth outfielder too. That's like get Benintendi. Really, honestly, like okay, I know you have. say Ben. Okay, but the thing about Benintendi, Benintendi, Andrew Benintendi has stopped hitting for power. Period. He has three homers this year. Damn. I mean, the Royals don't teach their guys to hit for power, though. You know what I mean? Like, it is a very different setup there. I'm not well, saying that, like... There's a lot that the Royals teach their guys that we don't have to get into. Yeah. Um, I mean, the defense is 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 pretty good, too. I, I don't think he's going to end the year with, like, five or six homers if he goes somewhere else. I really think he's a guy that you can unlock something out of. Slugging 402 isn't really great. Um, like... Maybe Ian Happ is the better option. I also figure he'd be more expensive because of the years. Um, you know, yeah. The years. But like, I don't know. I mean, I know he can't really play defense, but I keep going back to Mancini in my head. I think that he'd be attainable, not in not too expensive and enjoyable to watch. And mm-hmm. then like Ben Gamel could play, can really play defense. So like, I know he's also not much of a hitter, but he's an improvement over Jankowski. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I go back and forth. We got to see who's actually available the deadline. Yeah. It's going to become a lot clearer. Um, we didn't get to talk about Saturday though. We like, we, we kind we, of yeah. uh, missed it, but that was like, I mean, we talked Wednesdays when Saturday was like, Saturday was awesome. I don't know how much of it you got to watch, but like exactly zero of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my parents were both there and they said it was wonderful. Yeah. It was the second, uh, only the second time they've sold out this year. But yeah, that was something that my parents said is that it was like just excruciatingly packed. Yeah, just a lot of people. I mean, I actually, so I missed the speech that Keith gave and watching it again. And it's actually like, like, okay, I know that Keith Hernandez wrote the speech ahead of time. I know that he's like God or whatever and I think he's very funny and witty and he's good at what he does but he literally gave a speech like he was running for president it was the strangest like delivery and it was the it was like I don't know I again I I, I'm not expecting Keith to be like a you know the the most loquacious uh guy to give a speech right like Mike Piazza's was really good that probably set a very high standard but like, I think that there was so much about that event, though, that was really great. I just I, I thought the speech would have been a little bit more. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I thought it would have been a little more coherent. But then again, maybe that's that's on me. Um, he, I like that he threw the first pitch from first base. I thought that was a genius decision. Um, I like that they took him on the golf cart to give the little, uh, you know, the the victory lap or whatever. I liked uh, the baseball card mosaic that they made of him out of like all the 86 Mets where it's just like his face made out of 6,000 baseball cards or something. Um, The thing I liked most though, and I'm sure you would agree with me is that they celebrated like by making him sit down and watch some of the worst fundamentals, maybe all year. Oh Uh, yeah. I think that was the best way to pay tribute to him was just to make him him watch completely powerless to this to 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 remedy the situation um like i don't know i almost 
like I'm almost disappointed that he was not in the booth to uh to scream over some of these plays as they were happening right I mean you, you had... just know that on the on the walk-off play you if he was in the booth you'd get a oh yeah you like, get oh, a, my... oh or just something as the throw got away just a, oh um, my goodness or a, or I think when Jesus Sanchez got thrown out at the plate like trying to score from second on a double literally like how do you not score on that you would have you would have gotten oh my goodness you know just or geez or something like that Keith is going to be definitely would have gotten a geez um but it was a really really nice it seemed to be a really really nice ceremony for him uh my parents my dad's like like an 86 life and we talked about my dad last week in the podcast like the 86 Mets were like his team um that he he was like in his early 20s when they won the world series and like he still has such reverence for that team and loves that team so much um so i'm really glad that he got to go and see that game um wish i could have been in town to go see it with him but my mom went with him which was really great um and i'm glad that they had fun and they got to see it uh and it's it uh, if they had lost that game it would have been a bummer so i'm glad that they didn't and i'm glad that they won it in like fun fashion walk-off errors are truly chaotic and wild and yeah. i like it when we're on the winning side of them in fact it was the first time that the mets won on a walk-off error in extra innings or in the 10th inning of a game whatever the, spe- the highly specific thing that it was to get it to this point since game six and 86 it was two outs extra innings walk-off error i'm pretty sure that was the the barometer because i think the mets red sox I, I i should know this right because it's like the most important game in mets history but i'm pretty sure that game six was like the 12th inning no i didn't think it went uh i didn't think yeah. it was a one inning affair i think it was the, no yeah. it was it was the 10th inning you know what it was the 10th inning i'm Ooh. really like okay it might have been a 10th inning specific thing too but the two out error was also like but literally like on a keith hernandez day for that to happen like I think that it's unfortunate because when you really think about it, like the Marlins gift wrapped this game for the Mets, like they handed it to the Mets. They, the Mets were going to lose this game, probably should have lost it. It still will be an amazing finish and it probably gets featured on Mets classics just because of the atmosphere around that game and i think that some of the moments before it were also really really magical like the fact that pete alonzo hit a home run in this game wearing his stirrups and his mustache his weird pete alonzo tribute to keith hernandez <laughs> his was blonde like, his blonde mustache yes yeah like i'm glad he got to do that though the lindor home run um that was I think sick the way that he bat flipped it the way that the crowd reacted even all the way down to the way that the camera crew shot that home run was magnificent it was cinematic um they were just gonna win that game if you judge this by the vibes that were going around um but really the way that they won it was the most ridiculous thing I mean I was not I was not in front of a tv for this um I was playing softball and we had finished up and there were probably like eight or nine of us uh, that were still playing. And uh, we were like finishing up, we were getting ready to go. And someone had their, their phone propped up like against their backpack and they had the stream on. And it was bottom of the 10th. Um, they had the guy at second 
Escobar struck out looking and Guillaume struck out looking and they were both like pretty miserable at bats as I was watching them. I was like geez like they're not gonna win Nito's coming up like literally as Nito came up like the other seven people are just like oh my god like it's Nito and then he hits the ground ball though and I don't think that actually got scored an error uh but it probably I mean realistically like it's an error just because the infielder doesn't touch it doesn't mean it's not an error um Brian Anderson should have come up with that ball. He didn't. Yeah, like he, it. It even with the close. being such a like, even with him being so deep at third base, by the time he got to that ball, he's got a great arm. Yeah. And Nito is like is yeah. remarkably slow, like surprisingly, yeah. act like actually the slowest player I think maybe of all time. There's still Maldonado. Martin Maldonado is pretty bad, but he's up there. Yeah, he's real slow. So he would have had a chance to throw him out. So yeah. and certainly the run wouldn't have scored on the play. Yeah. And as that happened, uh, I mean, again, like it's a phone and there are like nine of us crowded around it. So we didn't get the best view of it. But like once it happened, like 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 it was nuts, like we went nuts. It was the dumbest reaction to the dumbest play. And then the following play too, like as soon as Tanner Scott, like dropped this ball and you see Nemo sprinting, which in itself, like shades of Mookie Wilson in a really like ridiculous way. Like anybody who watched 86 and here's the way that I'm comping these is going to like, you know, have a migraine by the time this is done. Like it's probably the dumbest thing you'll ever hear, but really like it reminded me a lot of Mookie in its own way. Nimmo, um, Nimmo had like an elite sprint time to first base. Yeah. on that. He, he was like a 29, seven feet per yeah. second. It would have been the same if if Scott had made the play too. Like that's just how hard Nimmo was running. But he put um, some pressure on over. him. He yeah. put some pressure on him, and he he shanked it. And once the throw got away, it was like it was this amazing, like euphoric response that immediately melted into like it went from we won, we won to like the Marlins are such a joke. Like. I mean, how do you do that? Really, really, like, how does a team that's been managed by Don Mattingly for like seven years and is in year five of a rebuild still losing games that way? It it makes you question what they're doing. Um, but I really, really, the the key takeaway is that the Mets won that game, and it was a fantastic way to get handed a win. I guess I don't know what else to say about it. Um, I think we should pivot and briefly remember some guys. I think that's a move. I'm happy to do that. Um, I'll go quickly. Mine's like a quick, silly one. mm -hmm. Um, On the topic of all-star game selections. Yes. 2003. Okay. The Mets were bad. Yes. They had one all-star that year. Can you guess who it was? Um, was it Armando? It was. I did not guess him first. Wow. It was Armando Benitez, who was the Mets' lone all-star representative in 2003 in a season in which he had a 2.96 ERA and Mm -hmm. saved 21 games, finished 49 games. And... He had 9.2 strikeouts. Like, he had a good year. 3.73 FIP. But that was a bad Mets team. In fact, he didn't even 
finish the year on the Mets. He got traded. That's right. To the Yankees for yeah. Shane Spencer, right? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now it's, yeah. Benitez was also like, I mean, he was probably like a top five Met closer ever. No, like, he was not. Tra- okay. Yes. Yes. Never mind. I'm so sorry. He was. It was not for Shane Spencer, though. Okay. It was yeah, for, separate. it was for, um, Jason Anderson, Anderson Garcia in a minor leaguer. Okay. I don't know who any of those people are, but that sounds cool and interesting. Um, Benitez was like, he never really, uh, I mean, he was a pretty high strikeout guy, at least for the era that he was pitching in. Like nine per nine was probably not really like that good for him. 2003 was like the the midpoint in his career because prior to that, in his first handful of years with the Orioles and his then uh, once he came to the Mets in 99, he was a double digit K per nine guy. In fact, his best season strikeout wise was 1999 with the Mets. His first season with the Mets, he had 14.8 K per nine in 77 games. Damn. Yeah. He was really filthy in 99. I think when we were talking about Diaz's season, um, and like we were asking about like whether he was the best. I yeah, I don't think he's the best closer in baseball right now. But this is probably the best like edition of a closer that we've seen in Met history. Like, yeah, probably of in it, my lifetime. Speaking of it, it might be Benitez, ninety nine Benitez. But yeah, speaking of Edwin Diaz, he's got seventeen point eight per nine right now. That's absurd. Is that a career high for him? Uh, if it, if the season finished right now, it would be. In 2020, in the shortened season, he had 17.5. He has three times logged more than 15 strikeouts, other besides 2020, more than 15 per nine. Yeah. Once with the Mets, twice with the Mariners. He got up over 50% K rate, though, today, I'm pretty sure, with the two that he got um, in the ninth. I think I remember Gary mentioning that, but he has 68. Six, he struck out 68 of the 136 batters he's faced. That's a dead 50. Yeah. That's that'll play. Honestly, like I'm so happy for him. I'm I'm really happy for him. Um, yeah, he's having a phenomenal season. Uh okay. I he, hope he blows away Robinson Cano too separately. I hope that he yeah, dresses down Sponge Bobinson and and ends that. Um my guy, I guess. Uh, it's it's this is much more elementary, but like Billy Hamilton was pinch running today, and he scored the go ahead run like immediately, like stealing a base and Nito airmailed a throw, so he came around and I was really disgusted. Uh, and then I remembered that Billy Hamilton wasn't met one time, and yeah. that like made me more upset. Um, I didn't know he was a Marlin until I got the notification that said Billy Hamilton scores in the tenth inning. Yeah, he just he's just bouncing around. He's just the resident fast guy. But I mean, hey, we've got Terrence Gore now. We do. We do have him in our system. That's going to be fun in like September when they inevitably like purchase his contract or something. Yep, that'll Um, be I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited for that, too, honestly. But yeah, Hamilton, it's funny because he only as a Met, he only stole three bases and he got caught once. I, I feel like I remember it being way more often than one caught stealing. 
um he might have been picked off a couple times or like trying to advance on bases that's how he got thrown out but like he just wasn't a met for that long it, it was 2020 yeah so it was the it was the, the the mickey mouse season he played in 17 games he only had 22 at bats he got one hit um so he, you know he gave cameron maven a uh, a real run for the title of like worst span of at bats with only one hit his OPS plus was negative 63. I mean, again, like this is just your fast guy. This is what fast guy does. But like, I mean, literally even like, okay, but this, see, this is ridiculous though. Like he played for the White Sox last year and he played in 71 games for Tony LaRusse's team. So you would think that he like stole a lot of bases, right? He only stole nine. <laughs> like he has No one stolen... steals bases anymore unless you're John Birdie. Yeah, but then why even have him on the team? That's all he's supposed to be doing, no? Because fast guy can bunt and run. Yeah, fast guy bunt. Maybe that was the other thing Hamilton was bad at as a Met. I I just remember being pissed about much more than the low batting average. Um, I'm glad they tried that and, and can move on from it. But, yeah, interesting career for him. He'll probably, as long as he can still run, he'll probably be doing it for a while. And I don't know. I do have a soft spot for people that – just do one thing really really well at least hitters position players who do but uh yeah just remembering billy hamilton who the mets traded jordan humphreys for a brody van wagon and masterclass trading a, an actual like minor league player with some profile of note i mean i'm pretty sure he was on their 40-man roster and they traded him for hamilton like you know who needs pitching depth yeah Fast he, never, run. he never got up to the majors with the uh, with the Giants, and he's actually now it looks like in the Padres system. Yeah, I think. I mean, listen, like I'm not saying Jordan Humphreys would have been good or anything, but like you got to trade someone for Billy Hamilton. Like you're giving up a player for Billy Hamilton. Like no, I I see I your know, point. Dude. I see your point. Like like that was just in, only Brody would have done that. Like you could have just signed a fast guy for the same result at that point. But again, like I'm not, I feel like I spend more time complaining about things than I should. But then again, like, like, like this is just, uh, you know, we're Mets fans. Life of a Mets fan. It's just, just every good thing comes with a bad thing. Your team's good. The Braves are right at your heels. Like, it's just, it's the way it is. But hopefully next week we'll have a, a sweep to talk about, a good sweep. A pod, uh, like a winning sweep. A winning sweep, please, for the love of God. I mean, as long as you win one game, you'll still be in first place. But, like, also take care of business against the Cubs. We got four against the Cubs afterwards. Oh my God, embarrass them. Please embarrass please them. Please begging you. Crap. I don't know if we're going to get, I think we're going to get Strowman. We might get Strowman in that series. Oh, man. Please give me he a might Strowman be, game. I need he, a Strowman game. He might be due for the first game in that series. I just, the tweets alone are going to make We didn't get a Cindergard game. We are entitled to at least a stroman game i think i will let me let me quickly check and see if probables are like up for that it's interesting just while you're looking for them it's interesting to note like how many of the former mets from last year are just not very good this year like there isn't a single guy who left who i'm like damn like he's really good now um like br got released loop hasn't been very good although i still have hope Syndergaard's been fine, but like the numbers aren't like the, the underlying numbers aren't great. Stroman, we talked about. I mean, he got lit up in a rehab start too. Okay. Um, Stroman Stroman pitched on Saturday, it looks like. 
Yeah, Stroman pitched on Saturday for the Cubs. So yesterday, as of time of recording. And so yes, he'll be in line. Yeah, the Cubs are off Monday too. He's definitely in line to start He's against the Mets. Either Thursday awesome. or Friday, it looks like. Either Thursday or Friday in the four-game series. Let's go. Okay, this one's in the books. Episode 87 of the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast. He was Jack Hendon. I was Sam Levowitz. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the PGE Pod for more. You can find our personal Twitters there as well. Go back, listen to previous episodes. Last week, we had Richard Staff and Abigail Noy on. That was a fun time. Lots of chaos. Less conversation about baseball as this, but definitely more laughs. Still hope you enjoyed this one. We'll be back for next week for episode 88. But for episode 87, that's all we got. So Mets fans, have a pleasant evening. Thank you.